Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Great. Happy Pentecost Sunday. It's so good to encounter just the presence of God today as, as a community of believers to worship and just to, to be together in this time. I'm excited for today. Um, Pentecost is one of the feasts that we celebrate as, as a church. We kind of follow a little bit of the, the calendar of feasts, and we celebrate a feast in the autumn, um, Feast of Atonement, and then we, we celebrate, obviously, Easter, the Passover feast, and then Pentecost feast. So Atone, or the feast of uh, Passover, Easter, was felt like not that long ago, but it was seven weeks ago. It's hard to believe. Um, I was thankful enough to, to share and to bring um, just the, the truth of Easter and the resurrection power of Jesus um, and just celebrating the fact that he made us clean and righteous and holy in his sight. Um, that was the gift of Easter, that we get to enjoy that freedom of being uh, forgiven of everything, our past, present, and future, forgiven of our sins and washed completely clean. Pentecost. Pentecost is the, the marker on the church where we were filled with God, filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, hopefully today, that if that's new for you, that you'll have a greater hunger and a greater desire to meet with the person of the Holy Spirit, to, to invite him to fill your life, to know that you are washed and made clean by the blood of Jesus, and that the, his desire is to fill you, to fill your life um, and overflow his presence um, through your life. So that's today, Pentecost. Um, traditionally, Pente- Pentecost was a feast, uh, like I said, 49 days after Easter. In the Old Testament, it was a feast of celebration, a, a feast of joy, and coming together and bringing our first fruits of, of harvest. Um, in, that, in the biblical times, bringing their harvest and communities coming together to just celebrate God's provision and his goodness and his faithfulness. So it's a time of thankfulness for abundant provision. It's also a time um, traditionally where people celebrated the, the, the giving of the law, the giving of the word of God on Mount Sinai. Um, and so there's a little bit of skepticism on like if it was the actual day of Pentecost, but, but that's what is celebrated is the giving of the law and giving of the, the word of God to Moses on Mount Sinai. Um, so that's celebrated as well in, on Pentecost. But like I said, for us as Christians, Pentecost is the moment when believers were filled with the abiding presence of God um, in our life, that we never have to, to wonder if he's near to us anymore. If we invite the Holy Spirit into our life and, and surrender our life to him, we can know that um, no longer do we just have visitations from God, but he is abiding in our hearts and abiding in our spirits um, every moment of our life, which is a gift. And it's something that should bring us joy and, and excitement and, and life. Um, and he's meant to empower Christ-like living. So if you remember back to my message, I kind of feel like this is a part two of the Easter message. Um, If you remember, hopefully you guys took notes. Um, But I'll remind you, I talked a lot about what it means to follow Jesus and talked about the indestructible life of Jesus and how um, the the gospel of him being raised from the dead was really just the the culmination of an indestructible life that he lived his whole whole journey. And we're called to live that same life um, as believers. 
but we can't do it in our own strength, and that's why God knew that. He knew that we needed his strength, his power to fill us, to overflow through us, and that was why Pentecost was so important. That's why Jesus pointed to the Holy Spirit all throughout the Gospels and said, there's someone coming, there's someone coming that you guys are going to meet, and he's going to fill your hearts, he's going to fill your, your souls with, with truth, with grace, with a reminder of what I've done on the cross um, and that's going to be his abiding presence for the rest of our life. So Pentecost is really, really exciting. Um, I believe, like for me personally, I'll share a little bit of my, my testimony, my story with um, receiving the Holy Spirit and what it's meant for me. But um, hopefully, yeah, you understand that, that the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us to walk like Jesus. And so if your heart's desire um, for your life is to look more like Jesus, that is a perfect ground for the Holy Spirit to move and work in. So excited to talk about the Holy Spirit today. He's amazing. I feel like... Um, in my life, I don't know where I'd be without the Holy Spirit. He is, is the one that I can turn to with literally every question that I have about anything. Um, he's someone that I talk to regularly, someone that I pray to. Um, he's someone who I, I speak, speak to, some, someone who speaks to me. Um, I, he's like my best friend. That's the best way to describe it. He's my absolute best friend, and without him, um, we wouldn't be in Scotland, honestly. We would be somewhere off doing something else, but, but the Holy Spirit's voice over our life, over Amanda, I say our, I always refer to like our family, Amanda, me, Quill, August, our, our two boys. Um, but we are, are on the mission of Jesus, and without the Holy Spirit's voice in our life, I just don't know where we'd be. So uh, I lean on him, I ask him questions. He teaches me, he counsels me in ways that I should go. Uh, he convicts me of areas that I'm not, not following Jesus in. I can trust him with everything. He fills me with faith and boldness to share him with people, whether they know him or not. Um, that's something that did not come naturally for me growing up. I was very introverted, very um, reserved. But until when the Holy Spirit really became real in my life, um, I began to share him with others in boldness. Um, and I'll share a little bit about that later. Uh, he helps me witness, like I said, to the truth of the gospel. Um, in the Bible, we read about the Holy Spirit and the things that he does. He, in Romans 5, it says he pours the love of God into our hearts. He's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation, uh, Ephesians 1:17. He guides us and he instructs us. He brings joy. He brings vision to our life. He brings peace to our life. And he brings freedom to our life. 2 Corinthians 3:17 says, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's a promise of the Bible that we can, can cling to and hold on to, is that the Holy Spirit brings freedom. So basically what it comes down to, and especially with people I'm discipling who are new to faith, is what I say about the Holy Spirit is he's the one that makes the truth of the gospel reality in our life. So we can know a lot about God, we can know the Bible, we can have the knowledge up here, but until the Holy Spirit comes, that's what he wants to do. He wants to make it real in our life. He wants to convict us and, and bring his grace to, to transform and change our life. Um, so the truths we read about in scripture, um, we can believe them in faith, but until we begin to talk to the Holy Spirit, invite him to speak into those things and bring grace into those things, um, they might not become reality yet. And so that's why he's so important. That's why we love to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, so yeah, like, like I said, if you've never experienced relationship with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you um, to reach out to somebody today to pray for you. If you're like, I want to start this journey with God, I've committed my life to following Jesus, but I want to know his voice, I want to hear his voice, I want to follow him each day, we're going to have a prayer team at the end that would love to pray for you um, to receive the Holy Spirit today. And especially in the world that we live in, I feel like there's so many voices, so many things that are speaking, and without the Holy Spirit, I, I don't know how we discern. I was at the park yesterday, and I just looked out over a bunch of families, and um, statistically in Glasgow, like, not many people are Christians, or if they are Christians, it's by name only. Um, not many people are actively following this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I just looked out at all these families, and like, I don't know where I'd be as a parent, as a, as a person in this community in the world that we live in without God's presence and without his voice speaking into my life. And so it's so important to, 
to share him with others, to lead people in relationship with the Holy Spirit um, in the world that we live in today. So the story of Pentecost, it begins in Acts 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 1. And we're going to read the story of when the the Holy Spirit came upon the church and the believers and what happened. Um, Yeah, it begins in verse 1 of Acts 1. And Luke's writing, he says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, uh, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then in verse 6 says, So when they had all come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking on, and he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as, as he went, he said, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come to you in the same way you saw him go into heaven. So this is um, the kind of preparation phase of Pentecost and what was um, beginning to grow in the hearts of the disciples. Um, Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, it said he spent 40 days teaching them and, and being with them and, and guiding them. When I was preparing this message, I was reading from Acts 1, and I was trying to get to the Pentecost, like the the meat of the Pentecost message, but I couldn't get past that word wait. Um, The fact that Jesus told them to wait. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, wow. Um, A lot of times when I am asked to speak or asked to share, I try to get myself as much into the minds and the hearts of the people that were here as possible. And I just couldn't get past this, this reality of what the disciples carried up to this point. Before the Holy Spirit came, what did they have? What did they, they carry? And so I was thinking about the disciples, um, these fishermen, these everyday common, common guys that were called out of obscurity and, and brought into a relationship that they could disciple under a rabbi, let alone the Son of God. Like, they could walk alongside of Jesus, hear him speak, hear him teach, immediately started seeing that he wasn't like any of their other rabbis or scribes, that he had authority, not only in his words, Um, But they witnessed miracles, they witnessed healing. Um, It says if you read the Gospels, and many of you who did Bible Week this week, if you were in the the Gospels, I'm sure reading like big chunks of like Mark or Matthew or Luke, it's just overwhelming how many testimonies of people's lives being impacted by the power of God through Jesus and um, the miracles that were were performed, the healing of every sick person. I always think of that word every. Um, He comes into towns like every sick person got healed and what joy that must have brought to the disciples. the confidence that must have birthed in them, um, and then deliverance of, of evil spirits, demons being cast out of people, just incredible things, authority of God being shown and demonstrated to these disciples. Um, but not only that, they, they were given authority. Um, and this is hard to explain sometimes because like, they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet, but Jesus gave them authority. It says in, in Luke 10, he sent out 72 and said, um, cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Like he, he told them, he commissioned them in his authority to go and perform miracles as well. Um, it's unbelievable stuff. And then in John 14, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and even greater works will they do because I'm going to be with the Father. 
Um, so they're experiencing this incredible life of discipling and, and coming underneath the, the authority and the teaching of Jesus. In the Mount of Transfiguration, I'm reminded when they go up on this mountain and God's there and he speaks to um, the few of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, as well as Jesus, and says, uh, he shows them Moses, he shows them Elijah, and he shows them Jesus, and he says, like, these are like the, the stars of the faith. Like, you have Moses, who's like, represents the law, and you have Elijah, who represents the prophets, and then you have Jesus, who's their rabbi, um, who they know to be the son of God at that point, and, and the voice from heaven comes and says, um, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And so everything about Jesus was, they were all in, they were committed, they were, they were following him, and yet they still didn't get it. I just am reminded over and over when the disciples, the Jesus would say, I'm going to the cross, like this is a reality of what my life is gonna, gonna lead to, and they still didn't understand what that meant. Um, and so even Peter would say like, you know, um, far be it from you to go, go to the cross, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So there's like this, this confusion, yet this like intense desire to follow Jesus. And then like when he got taken away, to be crucified, the disciples scattering in fear, um, witnessing the death of Jesus, knowing that, that the rabbi just died and picturing the disappointment in their, their hearts um, and feeling like all hope was lost. But then we read in John 20 and in the other gospels, there's accounts when Jesus meets with them for the first time and says, peace be with you and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so the peace of God is the first thing. I, I think it's all throughout scripture in Romans we read, that Paul starts with saying, we have peace with God through faith in Jesus. And so hopefully that's, that's your reality today. If you're, if you're not experiencing the peace of God, I just bless you right now with the peace of God um, in, in your life. So they receive the peace of God. But not only that, so Jesus is alive now, and he's, he's with them. And it says in Acts 1, as we just read, that he was teaching them the things of the kingdom of God, which I can't imagine what he taught them. We don't have record of that, that account and, and what he taught them. Um, the incredible things now that he had experienced and taught them. Um, we do have an indicator, though, and I thought this was fascinating to include. It's John 16, 25. Jesus says um, beforehand, he says, I have said these things to you, talking about his teaching, in figures of speech, but the hour is coming when no longer will I speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And I think that's, that's what these 40 days were like. It was just a plain teaching of, of the things of God, of the ki kingdom of heaven, the realities, the truths of heaven. And so these disciples were hearing 40 days of hearing um, about the kingdom of God plainly from the resurrected Jesus. So all of that, that's what the disciples had coming into this moment. Um, and yet Jesus said as he's about to be taken up into heaven, wait, there's someone greater coming and, and he's going to lead you into all truth. Now, I really do think that speaks to the importance of the Holy Spirit and why we need him so badly um, in our lives. So he says, stay in the city until the Holy Spirit comes, but when he does, he'll, be, he'll give you powers to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. If the disciples who had so much experience and confidence and understanding of what, what the mission was and still needed to wait for the person of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need him in our lives to be the one that we can turn to and abide with at every moment? We're destined to rely on the power of, of God to fulfill the commission of God. So my story, um, I shared a little bit about this in Easter. Um, I grew up in the church at 22. I gave my life to Jesus in a really real way and was forgiven and for the first time experienced the, the righteousness of Jesus like spoken over me that I was no longer just a sinner that was um, like 
struggling through life. I was declared righteous, declared holy um, because of the blood of Jesus, and that transformed my life completely. When I received that for the first time, received forgiveness and, and repented and came to him um, with my full commitment, my full uh, just pursuit of him. I grew up in a Christian home, um, and so I was taught the things of God, and I, my dad is actually a teacher, a pastor, um, and he loves to tell stories, and so Bible stories were something we were always around as a kid. Um, and yeah, I, I was like aware of all these stories, but it wasn't until this moment at 22 that I first experienced what Jesus um, spoke about in Luke 24, verse 44 through 45, where he says that he opened the minds of the disciples to understand the scriptures. And that was something, growing up, I never understood the scriptures. I knew the stories. I never knew how they fit together. And I always felt every story had like a moral, like a, the moral of the story is this, the moral of that. And I felt like it was more of just a textbook that I grew up with. But once I experienced um, forgiveness, experienced the gospel for the first time, God, there's the first sign of the Holy Spirit's work in my life as he opened my mind to understand the scriptures. And so I remember um, my senior year of college, just like, pouring through the, the scriptures. I skipped classes and just like read the Bible because I loved it and I thought it was, it was so life-giving. It felt like I was just drinking fresh water like every single day through God's word. Um, so I read through the New Testament, I think in like a day or something, like, or two days, um, just really over and over again, just saturating myself with the truth of the word of God. And, but I came to the book of Acts and um, I remember when I read the book of Acts for the first time, it felt like a movie that was just being played out in my mind as I was reading these different scenarios that were happening and um, just the excitement of wanting to live that same kind of lifestyle. But the thing that drew my attention was in the book of Acts, I don't know if you read it um, very often, but if you read it in long segments, the Holy Spirit is talked about a lot. <laughs> like the disciples turned to the Holy Spirit and relied on him for guidance and teaching and, um, yeah, just discernment and power. Like it says the Holy Spirit was like moving throughout the whole book of Acts. And the thing that stood out to me was he was never referred to as an it but he's referred to as a he. And so that was something that stood out to me. I was like, wow, he's, he's not just an entity. He's not just a force that I, I grew up with thinking he was, but he's actually a person. He's a person of the, the Godhead that wants to know us and wants to, to flow through us and to introduce himself to us. And so this idea of the personhood of the Holy Spirit started jumping out to me. Um, and I began to see it everywhere in scripture. And like when we talk about personhood, like what makes someone a person? It's Usually they have a mind, they have uh, thoughts, they have ideas, they have a will, they have desires and, and intentions with their life, their life and their, um, who they are, and they have emotions, they care, they feel different things. And so in the same way, we read all throughout scripture, this personhood of the Holy Spirit. And so I have a slide here of just different references. Um, we're not going to go through all of them, but, but the personhood of the Holy Spirit, I think, is so important for us to grasp because Without that, we'll still treat him as just an entity or a force that we can have more or less of, but really it's a person that we give ourselves to and relate to. So Romans 8.27 reveals that the Holy Spirit has a mind, that he, he has thoughts, he has a mind. 1 Corinthians 12.11, that he has a will, he has desires and things that he wants to see accomplished. Um, he has emotions. We read in Romans 15.30 and Galatians 5.22, that he has love and joy to give, love and joy and peace and all those things that he, he exudes from who he is. We read in scripture that he comforts, that he speaks in Hebrews 3.7, he speaks to us. Um, we read in 1 Timothy 4.1 that he not only speaks, but speaks clearly. That's something I think is powerful, that God wants to speak clearly to you through the Holy Spirit. He teaches, 1 John 2.27 he can be grieved. He can be made sad or sorrowful, Ephesians 4.30. 
He can be insulted or, or outraged, um, Hebrews 10, 29. He can be resisted, Acts 7, 51, when Stephen um, is, is sharing his, his message in um, Acts, Acts chapter 7. He can be lied to in Acts 5. So all these different attributes make up this idea that he is a person that wants to be interacted with um, and that we're called to speak to and talk to as, as believers and followers of, of God. Um, I was thinking about this past week, Amanda and I celebrated our ninth wedding anniversary. And so we're mo- moving on to the, the first decade, which is so crazy and exciting. Um, but we were just kind of reminiscing over the past nine years and the things that we've experienced and the things that we've gone through and just the different life stages. And preparing this message, I couldn't help but think about it in that same way of, of um, relating to somebody. How do you get to know somebody? You experience life with them. You talk to them. You, you spend time together. You ask them questions. You get to know them. Um, and in the same way, that's how we are with the Holy Spirit. It just says, Amanda and I, we spent nine years going through different seasons of life, hard things, good things, exciting things, crazy things, adventures, things that we would never have pictured. In the same way, that's who the Holy Spirit wants to be for you, um, is a relationship like that, that you can lean on and, and rely on. I have a few uh, book recommendations in this season of my life. Um, when I started learning about the Holy Spirit and learning about his personhood, God led me to um, a few books of Forgotten God. If you're new to the Holy Spirit or coming from maybe like a conservative background, this is a great book that introduces the Holy Spirit in really easy terms. It's a really quick read. Um, but that was one book that I read that just was really impacted, impacting for my life. Um, Hosting the Presence by a pastor named Bill Johnson from the States. He's a pastor of Bethel Church. It was a really impactful book in the sense of just um, realizing that our call is to care for this relationship with the Holy Spirit and um, and yeah, so those are two books. Um, Forgotten God, if you are new to everything, Hosting the Presence is, is awesome and it's very challenging at times, but um, two great book recommendations. Um, but yeah, so Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit all throughout the, the Gospels. In John 14, uh, in uh, verse 15 through 17, the disciples are hearing him talk about going to the cross and nervous and like, why is this happening? Like, we don't want you to leave. And Jesus reassures them and says in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Um, so it's a pa- powerful reassurance from God that the disciples were not going to be left. It says uh, in the next couple of verses that he won't leave us as orphans, but he'll come to us and make his home with us. But that word, another, I find really fascinating. Sometimes I go into the Greek and find like interesting things. So the Greek word for another, there's two words um, that they used at that time to represent another. Uh, one of the words is hetros, um, and the other is alos. So hetros is uh, translated to mean another of a different sort. And then alos is, is translated to mean another of the same kind. So if I was to give you, this is an analogy I've always been told, if I was to give you an apple and said, enjoy this apple, and you, you ate it, and you're like, oh, that's such a good apple. Stuart, I'd love to have another one. And I ended up going to the store, going to Tesco, and getting you an orange and say, like, here you go. You'd be like, what's, what's going on? Why are you giving me an orange? And I would be, still be a fruit. It would still be of the same similarity, but it's not the same thing. And it, it would still be good. It would still be um, something that you could enjoy. But if you took a bite of that apple and said, oh, I just want another apple, and I went and got you the exact same kind, I don't know, a gala apple or something, the exact same kind, and, and said, enjoy that. That's, that's what alos means. And so alos is... Another of the exact same kind. So when Jesus is saying, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, 
what he's saying is the relationship that I've had with you as my disciples, someone's coming who's going to be that exact same relationship, which is powerful. And I think as believers, um, I always hear people asking, like, oh, if Jesus was here on the earth right now, I'd ask him this, I'd ask him this. And my heart always goes to this, this relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. You can talk to him and you can ask him, um, ask him freely those questions that you would ask to Jesus. Um, so it's powerful. Um, Paul writes at the end of 2 Corinthians uh, verse 13, or chapter 13, uh, verse 14, says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Um, that word fellowship, another Greek word, is the word koinonia. And koinonia is a word that literally means intimately acquainted. And so what Paul's declaring and, and blessing the church with is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and an intimate acquaintance with the Holy Spirit to be with you all. So when we talk about Pentecost and we talk about the Holy Spirit coming and filling the church and baptizing the church, we're not talking about just him filling the church with the substance of who he is. We're talking about him filling the church with his very presence, his very life in the form of the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, so for me, um, I, like I said, we started pursuing uh, ministry at, at, a, at 22. Um, I was studying graphic design at the time, but really felt a call and a draw to ministry. We moved out to Washington State and um, began to work with young adults and to, to just be faithful to what we felt like God was doing at that time and worked with the church out there. Um, but it was, became really clear to me that I didn't have within myself what it took to fulfill everything that I read about in Scripture. So I began asking God for, for just more awareness of Him, more awareness of the Holy Spirit, and to be, to be filled by Him. And that led me to a, different, uh, a few different people, events, things that I experienced that I don't have time to go into, but you can ask me afterwards. Um, it was just really a time of desperation and hunger for more of God. I just wanted to know um, what it meant to follow him and to be filled by the Holy Spirit and to, to pursue that relationship. And so I started he hearing about different followers of Jesus, ministries, things that were happening. I would just kind of join in with everything. And it was the first time um, I remember seeing somebody healed on the streets um, of I think it was like a leg problem, but they were like, couldn't move their leg, and it was like limping, and it was just like, clearly something was wrong, and the person I was with, they just prayed in the name of Jesus, leg be healed, and they could move it, and the pain was like completely gone, and I'd never seen anything like that before, and so that sparked a hunger for me to be like, oh, is this something available for us to step into, and the one thing in common that I saw with ministries, people, was they always talked about this, this person um, relationship with the Holy Spirit, and so I had a pastor pray for me. I asked him to pray for me that just God would fill me with more of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it, nothing happened right then in that moment. I believe something happened. A seed was planted. But it wasn't until later that day I just began to cry out for God, cry out for more of God. And then I began to, uh, to pray in tongues. That was a manifestation of God that I experienced, um, which was completely new for me. Um, and, but what that did was, and I use this term a lot, it felt like it supercharged my faith. All of a sudden I saw who this person of the Holy Spirit was, believing that he was in me, and my faith just went through the roof, and I started praying differently and believing differently, and, um, and just like my prayer life wasn't limited by what I could come up with, but it was really partnering with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that's my story. That's one way that I feel like it, it happens, but it, doesn't, it happens differently for everyone. And so like I said, if you're new to all this and want to be prayed over, we would love to pray for you today. Um, to receive the Holy Spirit and just to receive that empowerment for living and, and walking like Jesus. Um, but let's get back to the story. So Pentecost. So in Acts chapter 2, we're going to finish the reading the story, what happens when the Holy Spirit came. 
It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, uh, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not these all uh, who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them, each of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them all telling in, their own, in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and they were all amazed and perplexed, saying with one another, what does this mean? But others mocking them, saying they are filled with new wine. So the Holy Spirit comes, and I, I just think of that preparation once again of them being in that upper room praying and crying out to God saying we're desperate for whatever this is that's coming this person of the Holy Spirit and how he comes is he, he comes in that rushing wind and and fire the fire of God um, showing themselves up with the tongues of fire um, I have a, a hunch I always grew up in Sunday school where you have like the little tiny candles flames on their head and just that picture of like the, the small amount of fire, I feel like it was a lot bigger than that. I think tongues of fire, I think of a lot of tongues of fire just enveloping them and filling them just with a, a power and a truth of, of the gospel and that power to be his witnesses. And so they were given the supernatural ability to speak in the languages that they never grew up knowing or, or taught. Um, and it was all pointing to Jesus and all magnifying his name. Um, and so he, the Holy Spirit filled the believers and carried them along in their ministry to reach the world with the gospel we read in that next uh, chapter of Peter's message, just cutting people to the heart. The same Peter who chapters before, weeks before, was denying Jesus and cowering in fear. He preached with boldness, used the same words, the same mouth that, that denied Jesus, preached with boldness, and saw 3,000 people saved in one day. So um, there's a power available to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to end with this. I I'm reminded of just this week being Bible week, and a lot of you I know were signed up for the, the readings and Old Testament, New Testament, wherever you're reading, hopefully God spoke to you in that time. Um, but I was reminded of the Holy Spirit's presence in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and just his consistency throughout all of, all of the narrative of Scripture. And I was reminded of the dedication of the temple. Um, and I don't know if anyone's here who actually read that section, but I was just brought back to this, this passage in 2 Chronicles 6, verse 41 through 42. I'm going to kind of wind us down with this. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 41 and 42. Solomon's um, pray, praying and declaring um, just God's presence over this temple, dedicating it to the work of God. Uh, I was talking to one person actually who um, was reading all the measurements. So some of you might have gotten the measurements passages, and that was probably a long hour of reading measurement after measurement of how intentional God was to put his, his uh, resting place together and just like all the different things that had to come into the place um, to make his temple a place to host his presence. Um, but in Second Chronicles, we read the dedication of the temple. It says, Now, O oh my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers of this place. And now arise, O Lord God, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord God, 
Be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. And then we read in in the next chapter, um, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. So I just read that and I was like, that is, that is a, a precursor to Pentecost. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost when, when the dedication of the temple, um, that we are now the temple that hosts God and houses God. Um, we're dedicating ourselves, we're being open to allowing him to, to fill us, to use us. The fire of God coming down and filling and consuming the burnt offering. Um, it says in, in the Bible that we are called to be living sacrifices. So we're the offering now. Um, I just see so many parallels in this passage and just the testimony of when people saw, saw the fire come down from heaven and the glory of God on the temple, they bowed down to their faces on the ground um, on the pavement and worshiped. And so that's the effect of the Holy Spirit is people's lives around you are going to be impacted and changed. Um, so hopefully you see that parallel in Acts 2. Um, the believers are gathered, praying, dedicating their lives, and the presence comes in fire to rest upon the people. Um, so... I believe fire does three things. So this is how I'm going to just kind of wind us down. Fire consumes. One thing that fire does, we read in Hebrews 12, therefore let's be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom like that's offered to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Fire consumes. Fire gives warmth and comfort. We know the Holy Spirit is, is described as being our comforter, the one who brings a reassurance of who we are in Christ and to, to bring us that comfort. But then number three, fire gives light when there is none. And I think about um, Jesus' message in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Um, In this season, I was reminded, as parents, sometimes light can be uh, our best friend, but also our worst enemy as parents. So in the evenings when we put Quill down for bed, um, he always reminds us if we forget to turn his nightlight on, um, he needs his nightlight, he wants his nightlight because that gives him comfort, that gives him a sense of safety. Um, but then at 4.30 in the morning, light becomes our least favorite thing. Um, we, we try, the first thing we did when we moved to our new flat a few weeks ago was to get blackout curtains and um, put them up in our kids' rooms to try the best that we could to not wake them up at 4.30 in the morning because we all live now in Glasgow in summer months and the light comes in. Um, and it just reminded me of the power of light to push out darkness and how as Christians we are now filled with light. Um, that's just the truth of who we are as the Holy Spirit is in our life, that we become the light of God and we push out, push out darkness. Um, and so wherever you're at right now, if you're experiencing maybe... Um, discouragement or maybe in your workplace you're seeing the effects of of sin or the effects of brokenness and you're seeing like darkness like it feels like darkness just be encouraged that God wants to fill you with the light of the Holy Spirit that is what I think happened on the day of Pentecost and that's the the joy and the celebration that we get to have um, in God and it says just like in Chronicles that the glory of God filled the temple that if we're now the temple of God we can be filled with the glory of God and so Colossians 1 
Verse 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Pentecost is exciting, and it's, it's a gift to know the Holy Spirit. And so my challenge for you this week is to reconnect with the Holy Spirit. Maybe connect. If you've never um, talked to the Holy Spirit, invited him into your life, allowed him to fill you, um, that, that's the challenge for today.